Good Monday, everyone. Welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind uh, BallQuest.com podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Again, check them out at BlueH2O underscore climate on Twitter, or you can check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Today, we're talking about the Hail Mary game. Tennessee's win over Georgia in 2016. Volunteers beat the Bulldogs 34 to 31 in a crazy game, one of the craziest games you've ever seen, not just because of the Hail Mary at the end, but the biggest thing in rewatching it is the fact Tennessee didn't get blown out of this game. Yeah. They're down 17 nothing. And I mean, it looks like for all the, for all accounts and purposes, this might be 42 to seven. Tennessee gets beat. Instead, it ends up being the complete reversal of the, the hobnail boot game from 2001. That was, we'll get to the Hail Mary and all that in just a, in just a bit. And Zach Azani, former Tennessee wide receiver coach, is going to join us to talk about that play and talk about the game itself uh, with that receiving core. Uh, but in rewatching it, I, the, the first big takeaway I, I came away with was how in the world did Tennessee not get blown out in this game? It's Josh Dobbs. What happens at the end of the first half in that drive flipped the game. And, and this is the first one. I mean, I've, you know, laughed about some of the stuff. And the Florida ones where I had attended some tailgates and stuff as a kid but wasn't at those games. Um, you know, this was – I was at this game. It was the first one of these that we've done that, that you know, I've, I've been at this game and, and was on the sidelines. Uh, you know, when the Hail Mary happened, this was my, the, the year I was at SEC country. Um, and just watching Dobbs, you know, in person that season – because um, it was when he'd really put it together, and he obviously had a lot of skill talent around him. But he did a lot on that drive at the end of the first half just by himself, and he just kept converting third downs with his legs. And, you know, he gets in the end zone. seems like he was going to be sacked multiple times on a couple of different plays, and he just his refusal to go down uh, and that will kind of gave Tennessee some life, you know, that at least they weren't down three scores heading into the second half. It's almost like – go ahead, Rob. I'm just, I'm just saying I've said it before multiple times, and this game just pounds at home. In the moment, I didn't, I didn't come close to appreciating Josh Dobbs as, as much as I should have. I mean, that is his entire career. And this, this game, like, like Jesse said, I mean, that's – without him and, and those, that couple plays he makes it at the end of the first half, I mean, Tennessee's not in it. But as he was actually playing, I, I – I did not appreciate him nearly as much as I should have. And Butch Jones is awful. You go back and look at this. Josh Dobbs was great. Butch Jones is terrible. Those are my two biggest takeaways from this game. And Kirby, and Kirby's, and Kirby is clear. You can totally tell how much of a first-year head coach he is, much like what we saw kind of the evolution from Jeremy from year one into the decisions he's made, you know, last season. Kirby's kind of all over the map in this game. You know, he, he goes for it on fourth down. Uh, in the second half, and, and you know, ball gets tipped or passed, you know, whatever. With Nick Chubb. Yeah, and then and then Tennessee gets an – or Dobso's an interception on the very next possession, and uh, and he ends up punting from, like, Tennessee's 38 or 40-yard line. You know, it was just – it was kind of – the decision-making for both head coaches was uh, more than questionable. But, yeah, Butch has not come off – very well at all in this game and in multiple of the decisions, both from the macro and micro sense. Also the athleticism after the game when he tore, he broke his ankle, basically. Um, you know, I, I, 
we all know what happened after this game. Tennessee, at this point, after this win, Tennessee's undefeated. They're five and zero. But I mean, you really look back. I mean, that 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 first half of the season was like six seasons. I mean, you had the Thursday night game where Tennessee could have easily lost to Appalachian State. They fell behind, you know, uh, multiple scores at the Battle of Bristol in that in that circus where Jesse got thrown off the sidelines multiple <laughs> times by Dustin Minot um, when he was working for SEC Country. Then he came over to VolQuest, and he had me to back him. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, then they have the, the big comeback from Florida. Then they come back in this game. They were a cat in that season, guys, and you just didn't know they used up all nine lives in those first five games because after that, they just started dying slowly. A&M, Alabama, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Um, but well, it, it was it, fire. I mean, you just said it that when you're down double digit scores in four of the first five games of the season, yeah, and, eventually, and, and, eventually, you're, you're the, the thing's gonna ignite. And then somebody said, There's somebody told Butch Jones, There's no way you can beat Georgia and Florida and not play in the SEC championship game. And Butch said, Hold my beer. Well, I mean, you know, the thing about this game, too, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, since he got shoved around, I mean. This was a Georgia team coming in. All the Georgia fans were mad because they hadn't been able to run the football effectively. Okay, and they're up in this game. Yeah, and so then there's there's Sam Pittman and, and Jim Chaney. They come out to open this game, and they're like, hey, we're, we're just going to cram it right down your throat. And then they decided to throw the ball and do some of the crazy things that they did. But Tennessee couldn't stop the run at, at this point, particularly at that point in the season. They, they got shoved around everywhere in this game. Uh, early in the game, and, and that's where you thought Tennessee was just going to get completely boat raced out of it. Uh, but then, as Jesse, you pointed out, Josh Dobbs, the drive at the end of the first half was was obviously huge. Um, I, I Josh made a lot of good throws in his career. Um, you know, he made a lot of bad throws, too. I mean, he was an erratic passer, which is why there probably wasn't a great appreciation for all of his playmaking ability because he missed a lot of open guys. He threw Josh Malone open in the Florida game and as good of a ball as you'll see him throw. The, the, the dart he threw to Jalen Hurd for the touchdown in the, to open the second half across his body on the rollout was, was an absolute – I mean, that's one where everybody goes, hey, all right, you know, those are plays to – I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but that's that kind of play to, to make it just it wasn't always there. But in this game, when they had to ha- had to make a play, he made every play they needed to make and, for him. And he threw a, that, he, Josh, that Josh Smith throw. Was that's that's the one I was getting ready to say. That set up his scramble at the end of the first half. Yep, that was a big-time throw, too. Here's the other thing, too, that, that jumps out to me. And, and I don't know, Jesse, and, and you know, X's and O's, you may know better. Austin, John, anybody may have a better answer to this. It seems like this Kirby – Nick Saban, Jeremy Pruitt defense, if there's a kryptonite to it, it's if you have a running back who can catch the football. Because, you know, Alvin Kamara's open on the swing pass seemingly all all afternoon. Anytime they wanted to throw the swing, it seemed like they could get that open to them anytime. Um, And then I go back to, you know, Georgia against Alabama in the SEC championship game. I thought Chaney got away from that one year where I thought, Swift was open in the flat the entire game. It seems like if there's a a weakness there, that's one of the potential weaknesses that shows up because it seems like the running back in the flat has a lot of availability against this defense from time to time. Certainly did in this game because Kamara 
um, made several big plays in the passing game out in the flat, including one, um, I guess, right at the end of the first half that helped get him down there to where Dobbs could scramble and score, right? Yeah, and then the the one in the second half where he, he catches it, somehow stays in bounds and, you know, writes himself and then takes off like he shot out of a cannon. I mean, just just one of those plays that makes you, put, you smack your head and say, Butch, what in the hell were you thinking? Why was this kid not touching the ball 20 times a game? I mean, just now, I mean, he, incredible. He lead, the irony is he did lead the team and carries this, this game because her – you know, has the concussion or gets benched or whatever after whatever he, happens. I mean, it's yeah, whatever there to Hubs's point. Um, I, I mean, clearly, I think some of the defenses that they're running with these pattern matching schemes leaves a guy in the backfield open. I mean, Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, destroyed Alabama this year out of the backfield, both as a runner but also as a receiver. I think he had like 10 catches in that game. Um, so this defense, the Saban, Kirby, Jeremy defense, they're all going to have – someone's always going to have some sort of little answer for them, and that does seem to be something that um, we've seen it give Tennessee problems, seen it give Georgia, Alabama, and, and what have you, that it seems that could be – I don't know if it's a kryptonite, but it may be the one weak link. All right, let's go – let's fast forward here towards to the end of the game here. Tennessee gets the fumble recovery um, and gets the lead, gets the touchdown, um, and, and then – you know, it looks like coaching malpractice right there by Sam Pittman. For, oh, for yeah. having him throw it there. No, I don't know about. I mean, I mean, I, no, I mean, it's not necessarily letting. Uh, you know, if Cheney's going to have a, a freshman quarterback throw it, that's fine. But how you call a protection where you have a wide res- or a tight end blocking Derek Barnett? Yes. I mean, that's that seems like one on one. You know, one on one that you don't do that. That, Especially that was, down by the goal line. That was probably in the GA's evaluation on Sunday afternoon the week before, right? But you think That's he put something. a note says Isaac Nada can't block Derek Barnett, you know, or, or whoever the tight end was. It there. was Blazevich, yeah, it was the other one. But yeah. still, either way, that's that was a that was yeah. And you know, if the next you know two and a half minutes don't happen, that's one of the biggest plays that I would have ever remembered in Tennessee history. You know, if if, if if Georgia, you know, goes three and out, Tennessee runs the clock out, Derek Barnett causing a fumble and Corey Vereen recovering in the end zone late in the fourth quarter. Between to seal the a comeback. Would, would have been one of the biggest plays ever. And instead, because of what transpires in, in the next two and a half minutes, nobody – I mean, a lot of people don't even remember that happened. Well, and so, I mean, obviously on third down, I mean, it, it was it was Tennessee's defensive kryptonite, you know – for, for, no matter who the defensive coordinator was during the Butch Jones era, that they're going to get somebody's going to get behind them at the end of the game. Seemingly, Florida does it twice. Georgia does it here to seemingly win the game. It's it just an absolutely colossal mistake defensively. Um, well, what's the common denominator there, though, Hubs? What's that? W- Willie Willie was there the whole time. <laughs> That's true. Willie Martinez. Willie Willie was there the whole time. And I can tell you this, you know, we've had some fun background conversations and whatnot. You know, I've, I've talked to Stoops uh, or Shoop. I said Stoops talked to, had talked to, um, you know, Bob Shoop about uh, that this season and this play. Um, And clearly there was like a miscommunication going on from what some folks thought was supposed to happen and what ultimately transpired. You know, you have, 
uh, Malik peeking in the backfield for some reason and then looking at the sidelines right before the play, and then Riley runs right past him. I mean, it's – it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's remarkable that Tennessee was able to recover from that. And no, But no program in the country has given up more plays like that late in games than Tennessee has. I mean, we, we, had, it in, we had it in a review with the Arkansas game, you know, 15 years earlier when Julian Battle gives up a 92-yard touchdown late in the fourth quarter to let Arkansas tie the game. Last year, Alante Taylor gives up a play. I mean, Tennessee has a history of giving up these plays to, to let teams back in the ball game or to give them the lead or to tie the game. So Georgia gets the lead. Then they, they make the, 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 the critical mistake of running out there without their helmet on. Get to 15 the, who, AP, who was that? Who, that's one of, Rico that's one of, McGraw. That's one, of Jer, that's one of Jeremy's guys. And he runs out. He's one of a couple I don't think people. he played another snap for Georgia <laughs> after that, by the way. He, run, he runs out. They run out without their helmet on. The Georgia commentators on the radio, if you haven't followed that or seen that replay on YouTube, they're all talking about the flag. They're like, who cares, whatever. Then Butch Jones comes up afterwards and says, we coach this scenario. <laughs> Gary Danielson screaming on the television, like, why are they lined up in this formation to return the kick? And then Georgia decides to do the ill-fated pooch the same way Tennessee went middle squib, Rob, 20 years earlier and 18 years or whatever the number was at oh, 0-1 no. uh, in the hobnail boot game. 15 years earlier. And then, and then, you know, Barry breaks a tackle, makes a guy miss, and gives him a chance to, to throw the Hail Mary. I mean, that whole three or four minutes there was just absolutely – you know, crazy. And oh, by the way, Hurd was back on the field for that play yeah. on the return. <laughs> I just have one thing to say. What a turn of events. <laughs> I mean, it, it was one of those deals where, it, I mean, did was it just Tennessee got lucky because Georgia pushed it and they got a fast guy back there catching it? It was a perfect storm. I mean, just, I mean, just, I mean, so much, so much crazy stuff happened. I mean, you didn't even mention the offsides. Which gave him five more yards. I mean, does, is, does Josh, you know, make? I mean, were, Georgia was offsides on the kickoff. In addition to having, the, you know, reconnect. Yep. Well, and, 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 and Zach will talk. And, go ahead. Go and, ahead. And I was just gonna say, and Barry, you know, correctly getting out of bounds. If he cuts one inch in a little bit more, the clock ultimately is gonna run out. You know. Yeah, I was watching. I, I, you know, it's a great point because I was watching the. Uh, the 90 Disneyland kickoff classic between oh, yeah. Colorado and Tennessee on YouTube. And Chuck Webb at the end of the game, he keeps running, whereas if he had just, you know, gotten out of bounds or went down, they, they may have had a chance to get one more playoff. And and Barry does a great job of, of recognizing I'm not going to be able to score or get any more yardage or whatever. And he just darts out, and it gives Tennessee a chance. Well, and Zach, Zach Azani will talk about all this. He'll talk about the timeout that was called. Uh, you know, where they switched they switched receivers. Jawan was originally supposed to be on an island to the right. Z notices that, switches it, much to uh, Rob's boy's chagrin, um, you know, who, who did not want the timeout uh, and was mad about calling the timeout, um, Butch Jones. And so Z talks about all this, uh, you know, coming up here uh, in just a couple of minutes. Well, and then, you know, obviously Dobbs throws a, a perfect pass. He did. It threw a great ball. I mean, he, he, gave, he threw it up high enough to give a guy a chance to make a play. And Lorenzo Carter looked like he had never been back there to even 
they had they might have put him back there in practice, but they clearly never practiced it at any kind of speed because he has no idea how to play the ball back there at all. He's like boxing out his own teammates. Yeah, and so Tennessee pulls off um, the miracle of miracles and looks like they're on their way to the SEC championship game, which, as Rob noted, uh, did, did not happen. Uh, but at that point, Tennessee leaves Athens, Georgia, 5-0, and ranked in the top ten. Tennessee's back. You know, Butch Jones has got Tennessee where they're supposed to be. Uh, but it's in large part because of a couple of – and it's always this case, NFL players making, you know, huge plays. Barnett and then Josh Dobbs, you know, playing, I think, maybe the best game of his career in this game. He was good at A&M. Kamara was great at A&M. I don't know that Dobbs played much better than he played in this game, personally. He made plays in the second half against Florida, okay? It was really good in the second half. But, I mean, you, you go back and look in the first half of the Georgia game and this game, he was not playing poor. I mean, Hurd cost him a touchdown. You know, I mean, he was pretty locked in. This is as well for four quarters as he as I think he played against a quality opponent. You guys may differ with me. but no, I, I completely agree. Well, and motivated against his home state school. Yeah. And he was clearly motivated because he showed more emotion in this game than he showed in other games as well. And um, AP, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I just want, before we get out, We've not had a Paul Fortenberry shout out in a long time. It was it, it brought a smile to my face to see Preston Williams catch a ball this this game after Paul Fortenberry questioned whether he would ever walk again. <laughs> he's the only he's the only uh, amputee playing in the NFL. I mean, kid kid tore his ACL and Paul acted like his career is over. I'm like Paul, you do know modern medicine, man. This is not 1970. <laughs> Azani's going to talk about that that post game celebration too. I bet. Well, he talks about it all, and then yeah. of course, between Rob, you know, throwing shade at Butch, I, I, and then my shade at Butch in the Azani interview for passing up on uh, Azani for Larry Scott. You know, it, it makes for uh, you know quite a uh, quite a fun podcast. Well, so we've got plenty of gasoline on that fire. That fire that's. <laughs> Long past and moved on, but this was a you know this was an unbelievable. This is one of those games where everybody's going to remember where they were. Um, you know there were going to be there's more Tennessee fans attended that game than really attended that game for sure, and um, it was as as cra- it was it was just really unique to see Tennessee on that side of it because they had been on the for for, for a decade they had been on the wrong side of those things. Thirteen men on the field against LSU. Uh, Hail Marys that Florida completed for touchdowns uh, to win games. Uh, Tennessee had seemingly found every way to lose a game like this, not find a way to win it. And thanks to Josh Dobbs and Jawan Jennings, who played the ball perfectly in the air, Tennessee finds a way to win it in um, a game that you're always going to remember and fans are always going to talk about. Hey, in East Tennessee, you need a reliable heating and air system designed for your home and our climate. You need a team that's trained to the highest of standards. You need solutions, not sales pitches. There's many heating and air companies in Tennessee, but there's one that's going to send you out a, not a salesperson, but a repair person, an expert who's going to tell you what you need. That's Blue Water Climate Control, veteran-owned, family-operated. If you have an air conditioning issue or a heating issue, they're going to send an expert out to your home. They're going to lay out all the options that include repairing the system you have, replacing the system with one that's affordable, upgrading your energy efficiency, improving your indoor quality, air quality, and options for financing, which includes same as cash and even rent to own. Call them today at 865-299-2290 
or visit bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for listening to this Rocky Top Rewind podcast. Coming up next, former Tennessee wide receiver coach Zach Azani talks about the Hail Mary, talks about the win over to Georgia, and plenty more. That's coming up next on the Rocky Top Rewind. Welcome back to the Blue Water Climate Control, VolQuest.com, Rocky Top Rewind podcast. Looking back at the 2016 Georgia win. Now joined by an assistant coach on that team, one of the key coaches on that team, now in his fourth season, or will be his fourth season this fall in the NFL, Zach Azani. Z, how you doing? I'm doing great, Austin. How are you, man? I'm doing well. So looking back at that game in Athens, what do you remember leading up to that game? Tennessee had, of course, played the Thursday night opener. They had played the Battle of Bristol. You had the big win against Florida. It had kind of been like this range of emotions, those first handful of games. Going into that game against Georgia, you know, what kind of what was what was the mood? What was everybody thinking? Well, I feel like at that time we were we were hitting our stride. I, if I if I remember correctly, we were undefeated at the time. Correct. Um, we were ranked in the country. Um, you know, I can't remember exactly where it was. I mean, pretty high for where we have been in the past. Um, so we kind of felt like everything was coming together. We were getting back, hitting our stride. You know, we've been grinding, trying to get uh, the roster back the way we wanted, trying to get the program back the way we wanted, where everyone wanted on top, and kind of felt like we were right there at that point. And, and going into Athens to play Georgia is uh, something that is not easy. And we felt like if we could get that one, we were real that year. And um, so, you know, I can remember, and I can't – I'm trying to remember the year, Austin. I guess it was we came up just short in Athens so it must have been not 15 but maybe 14 14 uh where we came up short and I can remember um we were just tr- everything was you know we, we felt like we were turning the corner and we were just so close in all these games I can remember losing that game and I can remember guys crying I was crying in the locker room I had tears and I remember talking to my players after that game in the Georgia locker room on how I was so tired of losing and coming up just that short and watching those guys celebrate on that field and knowing that we had all that we had put in in the offseason and then the season and then you come up that short on a big game that you almost had and fast forward two years later and the emotions were completely flopped so or flipped rather so um we just felt like if we could get that one we were a real contender in the SEC. So you, you go back to that game, you get, you know, Jalen gets a concussion, you know, going in, gets the big hit, you know, is kind of showboating going in. The offense kind of was, you know, hit and miss in that game. You know, you get the late strip sack touchdown uh, with Corey Vereen, Derek Barnett, um, you know, that, that kind of, you know, flips the script. And then here comes Georgia right back down the field. And we've talked about it in the podcast at this point, you know, Eason, you know, hits the, the touchdown, um, you know, what are you thinking when that play happens? Oh man, I, I, I was just, here we know, go again. Yeah. I mean, it, you're just thinking this is not, I mean, you, you remember how we had lost some previous games the, the couple years prior. I mean, go back to Florida in the swamp, they throw a, a curl route to Antonio Callaway and he's running down the sideline when we should have had that game. Like, and it's like happening in slow motion. You cannot believe what you're watching. 
And when he threw that dime, I'll never forget, it was cover two. Our, our corner kind of sloughed off a little bit. Um, and they ro- he ropes that thing in there. And I'm like, I, it was like the ball, it took 10 minutes to come down. I mean, it was just, is this happening right now? Because we thought, we thought we had it. And uh, yeah. that, was an, that was a great defense we were playing that year, too. They're all good. But that, that defense was exceptionally well. Um, but I can remember, I think it was going in at halftime, too trying to, we, we, we marched down and we were right there and we took like three or four shots at the end zone until finally Dobbs like scrambled, dove on the pylon on the left side. Like it was, every inch was just so hard to come by. And then to watch them just throw a rope for whatever it was, 60 yards, I'm like, what? So uh, my heart dropped for sure. But it's easy to lose faith at those moments. But I, I did feel like I mean, that year we were, I mean, we were one of the best to ever play on offense at the University of Tennessee. And uh, so you always felt like we got Alvin, we got Josh, we got these guys in the perimeter. We felt like, hey, we still got a shot at this if we just, you know, stay the course, even though there was minimal time left. Unlike the following year where uh, Butch chose wrong, passed you over for the OC job and, you know, Ended up at six points a game. Um, it's okay. I'll throw the shade. Um, so, Z, when when you you know Rico McGraw comes on the field, they get the celebration penalty, and so it gives you fifteen more yards. And then they're mm-hmm. kicking to Evan Berry, who is pretty good at that particular phase of the game. So yeah. he gets you back into position. At that point, you could have attempted a super long field goal, but they decided not to do that. And and then retrospect it ends up being the right call I think it was the right call anyway um but you know when you huddle up there before the 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 Hail Mary what's the mood like is there a calm is there a nervousness is there you know what what's that like yeah um well to go back to the return that was a you know and if I if I'm gotta you gotta I played a lot of football since that day but correct me if I'm wrong Austin but he dipped out of bounds right like he he was watching the clock I remember watching him he knew exactly, Evan knew exactly what he was doing. He was taking it, taking it, taking it. And then he got as much as he can and tried to save us some time and, and dip out of bounds, which was a really heads up play by him um, rather than try and get everything and be the hero and get tackled, we lose the game, right? Um, so there was a lot of discussion on when he gets the kickoff, do we have him run up, take a knee, and then Hail Mary from there just to make sure we had time. But Evan, like, stretched it out as far as he could to give us that. I mean, he doesn't do that on top of the celebration penalty. You know, you're, you're, you're not throwing the ball in the end zone, right? So now fast forward to that moment. I've been in a lot of those moments. Um, and it's deafening loud. Um, you can watch them scramble. You can see them getting their last play uh, victory defense on the field they put uh what's that Lorenzo whatever his name was yeah Lorenzo Carter yeah Lorenzo Carter all those guys back there so they're getting all their stuff straight um and so are we and it's one of those things where I I carry to this day I do it here all the time a receiver coach's biggest nightmares end of the game end of the half stuff because there are plays that you do sometimes you don't practice them every week sometimes they're from training camp sometimes they're every three weeks whatever so I learned a long time ago to always carry, um, you know, the, those plays with me. So when I'm anticipating those situations, 
even though the guys might not want to hear it, right? Hey, we might have to have a Hail Mary. We might have to do the pitch back, whatever it is. You got it there and they can see it. Um, but the way that we had practiced it that year, uh, I was in charge of all of our end of the game plays. Um, ironically, I am here too. Uh, that we had formationed it in such that we could call it pretty quick if we didn't have a timeout and just run out there and execute it. Your fear, though, sometimes is, you know, when you're executing those plays that you don't always have the same guys that you practice them with because they always happen at the end of a game. So one of your stars could be out. One of this guy could be out. So you have to be able just to run out there and execute it no matter who is where. So it's going nuts, right? Uh, we go ahead and call the play. And uh, it's, it's Hail Mary left. Okay, Big Ben. Can't remember what we call it. Big Ben, Hail Mary um, left. And uh, we didn't have a formation call. We just called it left because we know new guys were going to position themselves. But we also had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, one or two timeouts. But we had a timeout. And um, so we get out there. We break the huddle off the sideline, run out there. And I see them line up. And I see Lorenzo. And I see my man, Juwan Jennings, who we all know what Juwan did that year as far as how he played. And he's on the back side. He's a single side receiver. Well, number one, he was playing on one leg, so he wasn't real fast that year. Um, but as you well know, you throw it anywhere near him, the guy's going to come down with the ball. Like if you're going to put your mortgage on a guy that's going to catch the ball in the air, yeah, it on Jawan Jennings, right? Well, here I got Jawan backside. I got Josh Malone as the jumper front side with Jason Kroom and uh, Josh Smith. I got guys where they're supposed to be as if we would practice on a Thursday, but my gut told me it wasn't right. I just, I just didn't feel like we had the guys in the right positions to, to be successful. We had one shot at it. So I start yelling at Butch, call a timeout, call a timeout. And of course, Butch is looking at me like, what are you talking about? I mean, he's like, what? He's yelling at me. I'm like, just trust me, call a timeout. We have it, use it. So he's like, he looks at me like with this death stare, like you better be right. So we call it. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's looking at me. Why, why, why'd you make me do that? I said, just trust me, coach. Just trust me. Let, let, bring him over. So we bring him over. And I said, Josh, you're faster. You get on the backside. You haul ass across the field to triangle the football. Jawan, you go and you're the jumper. And Jawan looks at me. He's like, thank you, coach. He looks right at me thank you. And I'm like, Oh boy, this, we, we could win this game. Like you just, he's one of those guys you look at him when he says he's going to do it. I mean, it's 99% sure he's going to find a way to get it done. And um, <laughs> we snapped the ball. Uh, the protection was good. Alvin makes a great block to give Josh a second, which is huge. Not a lot of people know that. Um, and he puts just the right amount of arc on it. Josh was good at that right amount of arc to give the guys time to get down there. And usually when you get pressed, we switch guys, and that's exactly what happened. We got a guy knocked off. I can't remember if it was crew or whatever. And when they do that, they automatically have to switch responsibilities, and they did. And uh, Juwan went up in the air. It's one of the greatest pictures in Tennessee history. You see, like, 18 hands with, you know, the, with red wristbands and stuff, and then Juwan. And uh, I still – my wife, when I told her I was doing this tonight, she said – Hey, isn't that that cool poster? We had some fan that made us a really cool Josh Dobbs poster celebrating afterwards with Juwan catching it like a dual photo and it said the Dobnail boot on it. 
and uh, it was it was pretty special. And then from there, all hell broke loose, you know. But it was it was a pretty special game, man. It was one that I mean, it's one that I see probably retweeted by Tennessee fans. That last part every you know month or so, at least I see it on Twitter still, you know, which is neat to be a part of that. Oh, you got you got the Titanic music underneath that they put on Twitter. You got, you know, you got all the different calls. The Georgia play-by-play guy, of course, Bob, yeah. and and of course Vern and and the CBS call. The better question is, if you called timeout, why did you call timeout when he tried to hire Larry Scott and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa"? <laughs> I, I'm just playing. trouble. I I I, I I I will take that path another day. Um, so <laughs> after the game, you know. What's that mood? Is it a, a state of disbelief in the locker room? Because, I mean, you know, Hail Marys happen every now and again. Aaron Rodgers has completed probably more than just about anybody. But it just is such a rarity, you know, to ha- to, ha- to really to have, almost have two Hail Marys, even though Georgia's wasn't. It was more just <laughs> a bust in protection by Malik Foreman. Or, I think it was Malik Foreman. It was somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, just a nice throw by Eason. But this was a more of a, you know, total coin flip type thing yeah um and then you fast forward I'm, I'm now coaching Tyree Cleveland who beat Tennessee on a Hail Mary in the swamp and he caught one on the sideline so it's it's weird how all these things come together but you know I, I've been a big believer my whole career Austin on those last end of the game end of the half type plays that I think they're undercoached um I think that they're kind of a checklist for a lot of staffs and a lot of coaches and I've just believed throughout the years, um, my guys sometimes don't like to hear it at the beginning, but you know, those Thursday walkthroughs, those when we're doing those, I'm a, I'm a big time stickler on the spacing and on um, who's where. And because I just believe as long as there's a, uh, you know, seconds on the clock, there, there's still, there's still uh, time to win a game and uh, every play matters, every detail matters. And, you know, I believed it before then and I had never won on a Hail Mary but I had seen them done. Um, I go back to Michigan state uh, at Michigan state, like just little throughout the last 10 years, really cool hail Mary plays that, and then ones that don't work. So you watch a lot that don't work and guys are all over the place and you can just tell it it was a second thought by um, either their staff or their players or whatever the case may be. So that was a learning lesson and also confirmation on when you do things right, and you just keep hammering it and you, you don't compromise that once in a while and it takes some luck on top of it, that good, something good's going to happen. But to give you, you know, the, the feeling after that, it, like of disbelief or what I think it was. Yeah. Like, I can't believe what I just saw. And I think it wasn't just the hail Mary. It was the them coming back and ripping the touchdown pass. Right. And then us getting, and then, and then the, a uh, 15-yard penalty, then Evan catching it, dipping at it. Like, the whole thing had to match up perfectly. Yeah. And, and those those games, so those Saturdays or Sundays, when they do uh, rarely match up perfectly in a sequence of events, it's almost like, did I just – did that just happen? I mean, it's just – it's you, you can't even believe it until you get on the bus with your little takeout bag of food and you have a chance to sit down and take a deep breath and you're like, whew, wow. I mean, it just kind of exhausting, but, you know, I was hugging Juwan afterwards hard. He was hugging me. Thank you, coach. Thank you for believing in me. And uh, it's one of those things where <laughs> it's like, thank you. Thank you for, you know, telling me you were going to do it. I mean, it's, it's a neat feeling. 
I can remember, you know, they were standing around the field like in disbelief and we had some players running like talking trash to them and they're talking trash back and it was just it, you couldn't even control it it was just it was going chaos right alvin's laying on the ground butch is like on his knee like it, the whole thing was wild you know that was when butch broke his ankle basically <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but uh if i go when you asked me to do this, I was thinking about that game two years prior. I, I can remember crying, and I can remember Josh Dobbs coming up to me um, and putting his hand on you, and he goes, you know, Coach, that's why I love you. You care so much about winning these games. Like, I can see it. We're going to make sure we have a good feeling, and we're going to work and, and, and have a good feeling and get this program back on top. And you fast forward to two years later, we're undefeated, and we go beat Georgia at Georgia with a Hail Mary from Josh Dobbs. And you know, those are special moments, man. That's why you coach. You, you just remember bits of time like that that, that make it special. And I love when Tennessee people uh, retweet it, just like you said. I, I love it. Uh, going on vacation, the SEC Network always plays classic games in July, and I'm watching it, and it just need to be a part of that forever. No matter what happened at Tennessee, no matter, you know, we didn't win the whole thing and didn't, you know, this or that or whatever, it doesn't matter. You can always say I was a part of that, which is pretty neat. Well, there you go, Vol fans, the man that made it all happen with a quick timeout and uh, adjustment in the formation. Z, we appreciate the time, and uh, good luck this year in Denver. You got some new uh, wide receivers out there to throw to, so that makes your life a little more fun. I got some new toys, man. It was it was uh, shaped up well for us draft-wise. It fell in our lap, and I'm, I'm excited. You know, um, sometimes it's not always the best players. It's the right players. This time, I, I feel like I got both. So I got good kids, good players. So – now it's got to get out of their way and not screw them up and, and coach them up wrong, right? That's right. And uh, good luck this fall. For Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, Jesse Sampton, and Zach Azani, I'm Austin Price. This has been the Rocky Top Rewind podcast. Look back at the 2016 Georgia victory.